there. I'm Jacob Harmon from JMH Media. Welcome to TrustCast. I am intrigued by trust. In fact, I find myself thinking about trust and building trust all the time. Our governments, economies, and even our personal lives are completely built on trust. Think about it. Trust is even at the very soul of our marketing objectives. If a customer trusts us, they're more willing to buy from us. So how do we build trust with customers at scale? Especially when we live in an increasingly digital world where consumers are less trusting than ever. On this podcast, we break through the noise and focus on the ultimate keystone metric that matters. Our primary objective, trust. Welcome back to another episode of TrustCast. And as you all know, I just like to talk about marketing. So I have another marketing nerd here on the podcast with me, Wayne Mullins. Is that, is that how you pronounce your name? I should have asked that before we hit record. Yeah, that's it, Jacob. You got it right. <laughs> awesome. And Wayne has an agency called Ugly Mug Marketing. And my first question has to be that, Wayne. How did you guys come up with that name? It's very creative. Uh, thank you. It actually comes from a gentleman of the name David Ogilvy, uh-huh. so of Ogilvy and Mather fame. David supposedly had this quote that he would go around saying in his offices, which was, I would rather an ad that's ugly but effective than one that's beautiful that isn't. And so it's really, for us, it's kind of a North Star. It's a re- constant reminder that we shouldn't be seeking design awards, we shouldn't be doing things just for the sake of creativity, that we really should be focused on effective results for our clients. Okay. And could you repeat that for me one more time? That was really profound. So he'd rather something that's ugly, but effective than what? Than something that's beautiful or pretty that isn't. Okay. Wow. Okay. I really like that. And I think that sometimes as marketers, we can get trapped in the creative piece, right? Um, I know that Personally, I mean, I'm, I am I often spend way too much time on the design of something. So how do you guys measure that? And how do you make sure that you're actually fulfilling that goal? Yeah, absolutely. So the simple answer is this. It goes back to the cash register, right? So our client's cash register should have more money in it as a result of what we're doing than less money in it. And so, you know, in the marketing world, we live in a world where Anyone with a smartphone, anyone with an Instagram account, anyone you know with a computer is quote unquote now a marketer. Yeah. And there's all these platforms that are constantly evolving. You know, so we go from MySpace to Facebook to Instagram to LinkedIn to, you know, you know the list. It just keeps on going. Mm-hmm. And we knew very early on that if we pursued a platform, in other words, we wanted to become an expert in X, Y, or Z platform that it would be a losing game for us because the platforms are always going to change. So instead, we decided to make our focus on results. And that's where we've intentionally tried to keep our focus. So we're platform agnostic. We don't care what platform it is, what we're after, we're after, you know, the results for the clients. Okay. And so do you basically do everything then? Is it design, development, social media ads, paperclip? Like, do do you literally do just about everything under the marketing umbrella or do you kind of have a niche in in your focus there? Yeah. So we, we do a little bit of everything. We have three kind of buckets that we operate in. 
So we have web development or web design. Then we also have social media. So that's a department that handles the social side of things. And then we have just a traditional marketing department. And that would be everything from television, radio, print, billboards, direct mail, you know, anything in the middle. Wow. Okay. So yeah, you, you do a lot. But at the end of the day, what you really do is create results for clients, right? It sounds to me like that's what you sell. And at the end of the day, the other things are just mediums to get there, right? That's, that's exactly right. You know, our, our clients, for the most part, although a client may typically come to us with a direction in mind, in other words, we really think we want to do some Facebook or we really think we want to do some Instagram. At the end of the day, most clients don't care what method, what platform you're using if it's delivering the results, not just short-term results, but the long-term results that they are after. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, this being TrustCast, like the whole purpose of this podcast is to talk about building trust and brand loyalty. And I assume that that's one of the best things you can do to create trust, right? Is to actually deliver on the promises and create those results for a client. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, Jacob, I, I think what's important is that no client is going to hold you to blame or, or be upset with you if you're very clear about what they expect up front and what you expect in that relationship up front. And so if we go into a relationship with the client, you know, our kind of default answer is, look, give us two months. Within two months, again, that's assuming we do decide to move forward, they decide to move forward. Give us two months. Within two months, you will know and we will know if we're able to get the results that you deserve. That's it. We just need two months. If we can't get it figured out within two months, we don't want to keep taking your money. We want you right. to go to someone else who can. Oh, I love that. I And I wish that more business would be like that. I feel like, and just generally speaking in the business world, it's all about anything we can do to get money and creating complex schemes and plans and contracts to, to, to force that out of people. But I think at the end of the day, if you treat clients the way that you guys are, it sounds like you're a perfect example of this. I think at the end of the day, that actually does lead to more profitability because that's where referrals come from. And that's where, that's where loyalty comes from, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the difference, I think, Jacob, for so many is it's the difference between the short game and the long game. So we're playing the long game. In other words, we're, yeah, there are things that we could be pursuing or doing right now that would be infinitely easier. We could ride the wave, so to speak, make a bunch of money. But again, what we're doing, we're trying to play the long game. We want to build relationships with our clients, not based on, you know, kind of a, a smoke and mirrors, big production initially, and then we're yeah. unable to keep delivering that we would much rather start slow and build results over time. So that's, you know, it's a compounding or a snowball effect. That's so cool. Okay. And so that does lead the question and I don't want you to necessarily give away all your secrets, but uh, how do you guys usually go about creating those results for a client? What does the process look like? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, Jacob, the very first thing that we often start with just about every single client is this, the definition of marketing. And mm -hmm. what we've discovered, so you know, we're 12 and a half years into this, which in some accounts is a long time in the marketing world and others it's not that long, but we're 12 and a half years in. And what we've discovered over this time is that very few people really understand what marketing is. Most confuse marketing 
and advertising. They use mm-hmm. those words interchangeably. And yeah. the reality is that advertising is merely a piece or a component of marketing. And so mm-hmm. the simple definition that we love to use with our clients is this. Marketing is your ability to attract and to keep a customer. That is it. Nothing more, nothing less. Attract and keep. Sorry, I'm writing that down. <laughs> that's yeah, that's something that I need to remember. And I think, I mean, that that keeping piece is the part that I think a lot of people leave out of marketing. Usually, uh, especially at bigger companies, they think, okay, the marketing department's job is to generate these leads. Then the sales team is going to convert those leads. And then the customer service team is going to keep those leads, right? But I like the fact that now marketing is not only just thinking about creating leads, but about how do we keep those people? And I think that that's a different approach than a lot of marketers out there and a lot of marketing teams. Can you talk a little bit about that keeping aspect? Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, you're spot on. You know, marketers by default are often very short-sighted, right? We believe it's our job to get them to the point of sell, and then we run on to go find the next person that we can get to the point of sell. But uh-huh. You know, everyone I'm sure listening would agree with this. We live in a world, we live in a time where every single person with a smartphone has the potential to become an evangelist for your brand. Now, they can become an evangelist that speaks highly of you on Yelp, <laughs> on Amazon, on you know, Trustpilot, all these other review places, or they can become an evangelist that speaks out against you on mm-hmm. all of these platforms. And for marketers, and for business owners, you know, if you if you sit down and survey a group, a thousand business owners, and you say, where do your best customers come from? The overwhelming response is going to be word of mouth referrals. Yep. Somebody gets our product, gets our service, tells a friend, tells a family member. And yet as marketers, we're often so short-sighted that we don't process that, right? We don't think, okay, if we know that businesses, their best customers are referrals, what can we do as marketers? to help convert customers into evangelists for the brands. Okay. Yeah. And I, I feel like more and more people are starting to think about this, especially because like influencer marketing has become a much bigger thing, but how do we turn uh, generic customers, not necessarily influencers or big people that have big social media followings or anything like that, but how do we turn our average customers into those evangelists? What are some of the key things that you guys do to work on that piece? Yeah, absolutely. So step one is intentional, right? Because marketers, again, as we've said, by default, don't think that way. So just having the intention around, okay, we've got to give some thought to, we've got to get some processes, some campaigns to building or creating these evangelists. If you don't mind, would you mind if I kind of step backwards one step before I give you the answer to that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Another analogy that we love to use with our clients is, you know, if you think Jacob of an old analog clock, a big circular clock hanging on the wall. Okay. So it's got 12 o'clock. It's got all the, you know, it's got the hour hand, the second hand, the minute hand on the clock. What we think of is this is your customer's progression, their natural progression. And what we know to be true is that As marketers, we often violate some very basic human psychology. And that's the reason that I believe that so many people struggle with marketing. And that's why I believe so many marketers and entrepreneurs um, 
they get frustrated with the market and think it's so complex because they're ignoring some very basic psychology. So when you think of that clock, you think at the 12 o'clock spot, those are going to be strangers. So that's okay. anybody out there in the world that you believe could be a good fit for your product, your service, your business. Over at the three o'clock spot, we have friends. So the difference between a stranger and a friend is they know about you and they like you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then down at the six o'clock spot, that is where we have customers. That is where the money changes hands. And as we've talked about, that's where most marketers think my job is done. I'm moving uh-huh. back on. Yeah, yeah. The difference between a friend and a customer is trust, right? So in order for them to pull out that wallet, there has to be trust. And obviously mm-hmm. they have to like your brand and believe that it's going to do, which again is exactly what your show is about trust, right? Building yeah. that trust in your marketing. And so before we can get to creating evangelists, what we've got to think about is this, that when we approach marketing, what we find to be true time and time again is that most people are too demanding of one campaign or of one ad. So in other words, they put up an ad or they, they develop a campaign and they magically expect this campaign to take people from stranger over here at 12 o'clock all the way down to pulling out the wallet with one ad. It's not going to happen. And so a very simple thing that people listening can do is they can say, okay, what is an ad or what is a campaign that we could run to get strangers? In other words, people we believe to be a good fit to to know about our company. That's step Mm -hmm. one, one ad. Second question is what campaign or ad could we run to get them to like us? What could we do to start building that liking? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And then the final step is what are some campaigns or what are some ads that we can run to build trust with those people? And so when we do that, the marketing process is so much simpler, right? We just think through know, like, and trust. And then hopefully if we've done a good job, the wallet comes out. Yeah. Yeah. And I like this model. Um, obviously it, it's very similar concept to, to the funnel model, right? Where you've got like the top of funnel, middle funnel, bottom funnel. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think I like this analogy more and I don't know if this is intentional or not, but I'm thinking about this clock and the clock goes around and around. Right. And it, it's, it's, it's continuous. And so my thought is once they take out that wallet, then eventually they start referring more people who then start in that funnel. Right. Um, and so it, it's a constant cycle, right? Yeah. But it's actually slightly better than what you just described, Jacob, because uh-huh. of this. So you got the clock, six o'clock down at the bottom would be where they pull out their wallet. They're now customers over here at nine o'clock is what we would call evangelist, right? So those are the people that are going out and sharing. Now here's the beauty. When we have evangelists for our brand, they go tell their friends, which are straight across. So we, we eliminate the that whole entire yeah. top portion. Yeah. So we eliminate all that top portion because we're dropping them further into this natural progression that people go through. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, um, okay. That, that is, that is really cool. Um, so basically the idea then is to think about all of these different pieces along the customer journey and then create marketing campaigns, materials, assets, ads to target those people who are at those different pieces of the journey. Um, and what we can't forget are those customers that have already bought from us and are sitting at six, right? Or at nine. Um, th- I think that's where a lot of marketers kind of drop the ball. Yeah. The, the simple litmus test we love to give people is this. 
Um, so back to the original definition, marketing is your ability to attract and to keep. Pull out your marketing budget and tell me what percent goes to attracting and what percent goes to keeping. And when I say keeping, part of that keeping is converting them into evangelists. That's a big part of that keeping portion. And if we're honest, and most, most business owners, when they come back to us, you know, the answer is 99% of their budget in marketing is going only on the attraction side. Huh. Very, very few dollars end up on that keeping or converting into evangelist side of things. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And I really like this topic. It's something that I haven't talked about before on the podcast. So I'd like to dive even a little deeper. Um, what What's a good example? And maybe you just have a, a past campaign that you've done for a client or something. Um, what's something that a business can do to target those people that have already purchased and to turn them into evangelists? Yeah, absolutely. So um, let me give you one example on the, you know, the attraction side, in other words, converting people. So just recently we were running a campaign for, uh, it's a nonprofit client of ours, and they're trying to get people to sign up for a particular program. Mm -hmm. And so we were running some lead generation campaigns. In other words, give us your name, give us your email address, phone number, whatever the criteria for that campaign were. And mm -hmm. we weren't having a lot of success. So it was one ad basically saying, look, here's this wonderful camp, this wonderful uh, program that you may be interested in. And we were targeting, you know, quote unquote, the right audiences going in the right places with that message, but it just wasn't converting. And mm -hmm. you see, we had violated our own, our own kind of principle here. We were ignoring the fact that these people didn't know anything about this program. And so mm -hmm. step one is we have to get them educated. We have to get them to know about the program and to like the program before we can say, do you trust the program? Give us your name and email address. And so one simple thing that we did, so pre, you know, the, the initial run through that, we were getting, we were generating some leads into their program. And I want to say they were at like $28 per lead coming in. Okay. Instead, we went back and we started running this video that it was a short video that talked about what is the campaign or what is the program? Who is it for? Why it makes a different difference? And then what you can do about it. So we ran that to the same audience video. And then what we did was we retargeted those people who had watched at least 50% of that video. Mm -hmm. You want to take a guess at what the cost per lead then became off that new campaign? Well, I'm sure it was a lot less. <laughs> yeah, it was less than $3 per lead. Wow. Less than $3. So we go from 28 over 28 to less than three. That's and again, insane, we were spending yeah. a little bit of money in kind of brand awareness, getting people to know about it, running that video, but pennies, right? Pennies compared to what we were spending previously. So that would be one specific example of how you think through no like trust when building out your campaign. Did you want to look at the other side of that? The, how do, how do we actually create evangelist side? Absolutely. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the very first place we start, um, when we sit down with clients and we start talking about the need for creating evangelists and the need for nurturing evangelists is this, um, business owners are often deceived, right? We deceive ourselves. And here's what I mean by that. So Bain and company, a big consulting company, they went out and they surveyed, I think the number is like four or 500 businesses. And they mm -hmm. said, here are some levels of service. Terrible service, average service, great service, superior service. Business owners, where do you rate your level of service? 
80% of those businesses <laughs> came back and said they deliver superior service. <laughs> Bain and Company says, huh, interesting. That's amazing that we selected the top companies in the world. These were selected at random and all the, you know, magically we selected the absolute best customer service companies in the world. So right. they said, here's what we're going to do. We're now going to go survey some customers from these companies, customers who bought and done business with these companies. And when they did that, only 8% of their customers said they Ooh. delivered superior service. So we deceive ourselves when we believe we're providing superior service and we're actually, our customers are experiencing something completely different. So a reality check for us as business owners is this, take out a sheet of paper and draw two lines down the page. So you've got three uh -huh. columns on your sheet of paper. And in the middle, you're going to write expectations. What does a sane, normal customer have the right to expect? And so what you're going to do is you're going to think about maybe your, your sales process. You're going to think about your customer service process. You choose any of them. And you're going to say, okay, when they pick up the phone to call to place an order, what do they expect? Well, they expect the phone to be answered within four rings. So you write down four rings. <laughs> when the person who begins speaking to them, what do they expect in terms of the speed with which the, you know, our, our customer service person speaks? Is it fast? Is it slow? Is it middle? <laughs> you write down that answer. And so you go down the list, you walk literally through your sales process, you walk through your marketing process, whatever it may be. And then on the right-hand side, you come back and say, okay, what can we do to exceed this minimum expectation? And you write that down. Now, the magic actually comes in this. On the left column, you write down under deliver or not meet expectations. And you make yourself go back and answer, okay, when they call, we know they expect the phone to ring or to be answered within four rings. We know that if we answer it in two rings, that's great. That's superior. But if we answer it in more than six rings, that is terrible. Mm -hmm. So or now that you have this mail, data, right? <laughs> exactly, you don't even answer at all. Now that you have something tangible, do an audit. Have someone call and let's see how many rings did it take? How fast did the person speak when they answered the phone? Because again, we often paint the reality of our business with kind of, you know, the old saying rose colored glasses. We make, mm -hmm. we make things look better. We feel better than they may actually be. Wow. Well, so I love this idea, but at the same time, it's kind of scaring me because I'm thinking, Oh shoot, what, what rose colored glasses do I have in my business? And what are the things that I think are going great, but maybe they aren't. And so, I mean, it's kind of a reality check to think, oh, I better go do this, you know? <laughs> yeah, it, it, you know, our egos, you know, so our businesses are our babies in many, many instances, right? We pour our lives into these things. And so mm -hmm. we obviously want to believe the best about them. We don't want to believe that we're terrible at customer service. We don't want to believe that, you know, X, Y, and Z. And the, the thing is, we have to strip away that ego. And we have to seek the truth. What is actually taking place? What is the market actually saying about what we're delivering? Yeah. And I would say that that's another big piece of um, being able to build trust with your, with your customers, right? If you have too much ego to recognize maybe the places where your business isn't doing great, if, if you just can't recognize that and you're not willing to fix those things, 
I mean, that's a surefire way to lose trust and to lose clients and to stop getting referrals. Um, and everything just kind of goes downhill from that point. But if you're willing to, to be humble enough to learn and to grow and to become better and go through these types of exercises, it, it's a big sign of, of being a trustworthy brand, I would say. Yeah, one of the phrases I love to use um, with myself and with clients as well is when furious, get curious. So hmm. when furious, get curious. So when someone complains about the way we delivered something or they complain about the product, they complain about the service, right? Our natural inclination is they don't understand what we poured into this. They don't understand how we went out of the way to deliver this or whatever it may be. And instead, we need to turn that furious, you know, kind of emotion into curiosity. Is there something that they're saying here that is true? Is there something that I'm blinded to that I can't see? And, you know, as business owners or as marketers, that goes a long way in building and establishing trust, right? Because mm -hmm. we are seeking the truth. And when we, when we seek the truth, Trust becomes a natural byproduct out of that. It flows out of that seeking the truth. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, seeking the truth is great, but sometimes even just seeking other perspectives, even if there isn't necessarily, like maybe you are right in one circumstance, but that doesn't mean that the perspective can't teach you something else. Um, and I, I would say that usually, usually you probably aren't right. <laughs> but, but I think that, Learning from different perspectives and being willing to listen to people is such a big deal. And if you don't understand why a customer had a hard time, start asking them questions. <laughs> like, um, if if they say, "Oh, working with your company was the worst mistake we ever made," that's a perfect time to say, "Well, why? Like, what did we do wrong? We want to we want to become better. What did?" What experience made you say that, you know? Um, and I think I'm just thinking about like written reviews right now, Google reviews and things like that. And oftentimes all, we'll, we'll tell our clients, you want to go on and reply to those, right? You want to reply to any negative feedback, but sometimes it's as simple as just asking, Hey, could you please reach out to us? Like we'd like to, we'd like to talk to you and learn from this. We'd like to figure out what we did wrong, <laughs> you know? Yeah, those those can be if we're willing to allow them to be. Those can be the most valuable learning experiences for us. You know, it's same thing if we flip back over just to marketing in general. You learn far more from the from the campaigns that fail than mm -hmm. you do from the ones that succeed, right? Yeah. Because success kind of numbs us; it blinds us to the lessons that we could be learning. But failure, on the other hand, if we're willing to dive into it, to lean into that failure, there are so many valuable lessons. We can learn what not to do, what to do, and we can adjust, you know, so that mm -hmm. next time it's better. Yeah, there's just too many variables. And when something succeeds, you don't necessarily know why. Right? Oh, great. It worked. <laughs> uh, what did we do yeah. to make it work? <laughs> I'm not sure, but let's try it again, you know? Yeah, it's a big mistake, the difference in correlation and causation. And we often have success and we correlate that with something, right? Whatever that something is. Oh, it was because the creative was great or it was because the copy was great. And we have to really dive into, was it that or was that just correlation, right? The fact that the copy happened to be good, but the fact that it ran to the perfect audience, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the difference between causation and correlation 
is very important for us as marketers. And the only way we can focus on that and make sure that we're, we're separating those two things out is to strip away the vanity metrics, right? We have to strip away the metrics that, that make us feel good, that make us excited. But at the yeah. end of the day, those metrics don't necessarily put money in the cash register. Yeah, and I love how that's bringing it clear back full circle. Because um, at the end of the day, it's all about getting results, right? I mean, at the very beginning of this interview, uh, that that's what we talked about. And so really, it's looking at what's bringing that money into the cash register. I love it. Um, so is there anything, Wayne, that we haven't discussed so far in this interview when it comes to marketing, building trust, brand loyalty, um, something that, that's important to, to have in this discussion? Yeah, one just small note kind of on what we were just talking about with, with regard to reviews and, and trust is this, that um, people would rather trust strangers they've never met then trust you as a marketer or you as a business owner. So let me say that again. People would rather trust strangers they've never met than trust you as a marketer or as a business owner. Think about it. If you go to Amazon to buy anything, you're going to scroll down and look at the reviews. You may not read the reviews, but if it's a two-star out of five-star, you're probably not going to buy that one. You're going to buy a similar recommended product. Uh And so never before in history of the world, have people trusted complete strangers who could all be crazy for all we know (laughs) for making purchasing decisions, right? We don't know if the company paid, you know, a bunch of people to go leave reviews. We don't know. But yet our market, no matter the market you're in, they are trusting people they've never met more than they're trusting you as the marketer or as the business owner. Yeah. Wow. Wow my mind's blown right now, but it's so true. I mean, just looking at my own experience, I I'll go and read a review and that means a lot to me, but then I'll look at the marketing copy on someone's website and the entire time as a marketer, my, my skeptical eye is reading that copy and I'm like, I don't know. They're probably being a little exaggerating here. And then I look at the pictures and I'm like, well, I can see that that was Photoshopped. And then I look, I look at the video and I'm like, Oh, great lighting guys. You did a wonderful job shooting that video, but I know that you're hiding something like it's so interesting how, how that perspective has kind of come out in marketers are often seen as kind of sleazy and, and just trying to sell things and shove things down people's throats. So Interesting. We trust some random person across the world that we've never met before more than a marketer. <laughs> yeah, which it, it goes into, you know, really at the point of what your which again, what your show is about, Jacob, and that is trust. You know, no money is going to come out of the wallet unless there's trust there. And, you know, I, I love saying this that a marketer's job is to basically make the sales job not needed. So when you do your job as a marketer well, the selling is no longer needed. And so as we bring people through what we would call that natural progression, right? Trust is the factor. Trust Mm -hmm. is the factor between pulling out the wallet, not pulling out the wallet. It is the factor between becoming an evangelist for a brand or not becoming an evangelist for a brand. So, you know, what you center your show around is at the core of all marketing, that is it. And to be honest, it's at the core of, of all human relationships. Um, 
you know, it, it's at the core of so much that we that we do and the way we live in this world. Yeah. Well, I couldn't have said it better, Wayne. So I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. We'll, we'll end on that high note, but, uh, before we do so go ahead and let us know. I mean, obviously we've talked a little bit about your agency, um, ugly mug marketing. It's uglymugmarketing.com. Where else can people find you if they want to maybe ask a follow-up question or follow some of your content or anything like that? Yeah, the, the simplest place, Jacob, is on our website. And the only reason I say that is we do have social media. We have my email address there, phone numbers there. So instead of giving a bunch of different places, just go there. All of the you know the links, email addresses, phone numbers are all right there in one spot. Awesome. Well, it has been a pleasure, Wayne. I've learned a lot. The whole clock concept is still blowing my mind. I'm going to have to come back and re-listen to this episode so that I can I can fully understand it and implement it. But thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Jacob. I've enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, you have a good one. You as well. Thank you for listening to TrustCast. This podcast has been a production of JMH Media. I'm Jacob Harmon, and I've been your host. The TrustCast podcast team consists of Josh Harmon and Steve Hill. I really couldn't do this without them. Music licensing comes thanks to Epidemic Sound. And if you've liked what you've heard, we invite you to subscribe to TrustCast in your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help. Join us next time as we continue to break through the noise by building real human connections and trust in business. See you then.